Welcome to Your Path to Nonprofit Leadership, the weekly podcast that features the very best in career development in the nonprofit sector. I'm your host, Patton McDowell. And in addition to podcasting, I am a leadership coach, a nonprofit consultant, a mastermind facilitator, a best selling author, and a speaker. I love taking these nonprofit leadership topics on the road or into your Zoom room. So if you need somebody at your next conference or workshop, check out the new speaking page at patmcdowell.com for more information. Well, I know you're going to enjoy this fantastic conversation I had with Ray Gary. Ray brings deep technology and digital fundraising experience to the nonprofit sector as the CEO of iDonate one of the fastest growing companies in this space. And while he's based in Dallas, he is working with nonprofit organizations all over the country. Of course, Ray is the perfect person to talk about all kinds of technology and fundraising challenges that are facing every nonprofit leader. And Ray does not disappoint. In fact, we tackle three distinct challenges that face nonprofit leaders right now. Number one, how come we struggle with the temptation of chasing every shiny object that appears, particularly in the technology and fundraising space? You're looking for the easy answer. Sometimes we have to hold back on these instincts. Number two, how come we can't manage the technology we have already and we're not maximizing it. What can we do to better take advantage of what we already have in place? And number three, what about these silos that still exist within our nonprofit organizations? Each area has its own technology. Why can't we get it to work better together? Particularly as we think about the donor experience, who is in fact going to connect with your organization across different platforms, perhaps not in a cohesive manner. Well, the good news is Ray's not here just to illustrate the problems. He is here to offer solutions. So check out all of these topics and, of course, more reason to check out the show notes. This is episode number 180. Just go to the new podcast page at PattonMcDowell.com, and you will find all of the resources Ray and I discuss, as well as more information on the great work he's doing at iDonate. And that's simply the letter I and the word donate together, iDonate.com. Without further ado, please enjoy my conversation with Ray Gary. Ray, thank you for joining me on the path. Hey, Patton, uh, great to be here and I appreciate you having me on. Well, I'm excited about this conversation, Ray. We've had some preliminary discussion about some of the insight you're bringing on a national level, literally, to technology issues and challenges, frankly, that are facing nonprofit leaders. And as you know, our listeners are current leaders or they want to be. And so I'm excited to kind of unpack this with you so that it can benefit listeners who are pondering or in nonprofit leadership. So, Ray, let's start with that. What is the biggest technology challenge that you're seeing as you're all over the place these days facing nonprofit organizations? Yeah, I appreciate that question. We we talk a lot at iDonate about what we call today's donor. And if you think about today's donor, they're really an empowered consumer. And so they've been conditioned by all these experiences from bank tech to FinTech to Uber to Spotify to Netflix to Amazon. Um, And so they have this expectation when they go online about what an experience will be. And I, I think one of the biggest challenges is, is really to get nonprofits to focus on 
that donor experience. We're so database centric and we're so back office centric sometimes and we do things that are convenient for the organization. And we've really got to focus on that donor experience because that's really where the battle is. And that's that's really where trust can be lost. And so, you know, at, not only at the ask level, but also at the nurture and engagement level, we've got to really think about the donor's experience holistically from how they discover you to how they consider your value proposition to how they actually transact with you and then how they become a sustainable advocate for you. And so, uh, and if you don't do that well, I think not only will they go somewhere else, but other channels may begin to nurture your donor for you. That's such a good point, Ray. And I'm glad you bring it up because I I think, yes, maybe our donors will give us the benefit of the doubt to some extent, but you're right. They're in an environment where they are getting a high touch, positive experience with all their technology platforms, right? And you're saying that those nonprofits who don't embrace that same concept, they're going to fall behind. Well, think about it, Patton. I mean, even whether it's something as simple as Netflix or Spotify or something like that, they'll even suggest something you may want to watch or you may want to listen to. And so we've been conditioned with all these personalization kind of experiences, even from a something as silly as a streaming service to say, well, they even care enough to know that I, you know, like watching baseball movies. So they've recommended three more. Right. Well, yeah, we we obviously don't do that in the nonprofit world very well with our donors. Yeah, I could not agree more. But those who will embrace some of your ideas and recommendations are the ones that are going to get ahead. And so, again, grateful for this conversation for exactly that reason. But before we unpack some of the ideas and recommendations you have, Ray, let's talk about your journey. How did you get into this kind of work that is now helping nonprofit organizations with their technology? Well, I'm I'm kind of one of these classic halftimer kind of guys that they, they talk about. I I spent the first half of my life on the for-profit side. I I was fortunate and blessed enough to have a lot of great experiences, everything from a family business to working for one of the world's largest private companies at Coke Industries. And uh, and I just kind of got to the point, met some met some folks and got to the point where you know, kind of looked at life and said, hey, how do I want to spend the second half of my life? And um, while I was very fortunate to have some success in the first half of my life, I thought I really wanted to spend it on significance. And I wanted to spend more time and build more margin, finding ways to serve others and doing things that were a life of significance. And so I uh, I just, just kind of decided to use the gifts and talents that I was given and reapply those to helping these nonprofits that are doing really, really hard work and great work and changing the world, you know, can I be on the side of maybe equipping them to even do more, more work? And that, that's kind of the, that was kind of the birth of the, of our mission, which is advanced technology to amplify good. I mean, these folks are already doing good. Uh, clearly the $400 billion worth of it every year, Right. but could we, could we come alongside them and apply technology to amplify good? And that became our mission. Yeah, it's fantastic. And obviously, I want this episode to lift up the work you're doing through iDonate. And for those listeners who don't yet know about iDonate, why don't you tell us exactly what you do? Sure. Well, we are, uh, we're a Dallas-based company. We um, uh, have folks all over the country, but our core offering is a software as a service. It's called SaaS, as, as a lot of people know, a uh, uh, digital fundraising platform. We call it a donor-first platform because of a lot of the reasons that I talked about in our opening 
uh, conversation, but it is a donor-first digital platform that focuses on all the touch points of digital giving, whether it be web, peer-to-peer, uh, -peer, crowdfunding, text, event ticketing. Um, and so we're, we're at that place where the donor touches the online software. And then, of course, we communicate to all the leading CRMs and uh, such as, you know, the black box and the sales forces of the world and pass that data over. Yeah, which, of course, is a perfect kind of platform for you to understand the technology challenges that many of these organizations are facing. And I guess, Ray, for you personally, you know, you were engaged uh, from your for-profit days, I'm sure, with nonprofit organizations. What Was it part of that? Did you volunteer for organizations or maybe just your donor experience also kind of amplified, hey, I think I can help? with what I'm seeing literally as a volunteer or a donor yourself? Yes, on no, both sides. I've always been active. Uh, I come from a family of service. And so I've always been exposed to that. And I've always been active. And as a matter of fact, I had served on both advisory boards and boards of different nonprofits. So I had good exposure from seeing the inside of the operations, at least from a board level. And then, of course, being a giver to both nonprofits and church. So I, I, I understood that experience pretty well, as you can imagine. Yeah, well, again, it's clear that you have taken that experience, both the motivation that brought you to the sector, but also that direct experience, because I know some of the things you're going to talk about are directly applicable to nonprofit organizations. In fact, let's jump into it, because I, you have framed three key topics that I think are challenging nonprofit organizations and their leadership. The first one that I love the way you describe this is the beware of shiny objects and, and nonprofit leaders perhaps getting caught up in the latest, greatest ideas. But what do you mean or how have you seen that challenge or problem manifest itself? Well, there's a there's a lot of pressure on on tech providers like ourselves to just keep chasing new features and functionality. Uh, you know, every time we turn, I mean, a great example of, uh, well, I, I need Apple Pay. I need Google Pay. I need Venmo. I need this. I need that. And and there's this rat race, I think we all kind of get into sort of uh, trying to keep up with uh, all these things that, that are out there that people think that they need to, to really, you know, help their nonprofit. And I think it's human nature because the nonprofit work is very hard. Uh, you know, these people that dedicate their life to it and and, and um, it, it's it's tough work. I mean, they're they're out in the field. Uh, they're doing the work that we all admire and respect and trying to change the world, uh, trying to raise money is hard, um, trying to keep their donors engaged on a year to year basis is hard. And so I think it's just human nature uh, that we think that a new shiny object is going to solve our problem. If I just had this new payment type, I would raise more money. Or if I just had yeah. this feature, I'd raise more money. And, you know, what I see happening, Patton, is, and it's so obvious, and this this was great from my experience in my for-profit world when I worked for a um, EDS, a large outsourcing integration company. And you see this on a smaller scale is the when you do that, what ends up happening is you create this monster in the back office. Right. Because all of a sudden now, I've, you know, because I've chased four or five or six systems and I've, I've not only have four or five systems that my people have to learn, I have four or five systems that I have to train on. I have four or five 
silos of data. I have four or five merchant accounts. I have four or five integration points. Wow. And, and by the way, not only have I created this sort of, you know, Frankenstein monster <laughs> in the back office, but but more than that, I kind of lose sight of of the forest. I don't see holistically my donor and kind of who they are because they're bifurcated and trifurcated and all these different pieces. Yeah, I wonder, do, do you find when you first work with an organization, I mean, are you having to help them declutter and there's so many shiny objects already laying around or they immediately want you to help them with new shiny objects? So how does your process work, Ray, when you first engage? Is it literally helping evaluate what they have and maybe reducing the amount of activity? Well, that's a great question. And, and that would seem to be conventional wisdom. But I mean, if I'm being honest with you, it's very hard because there's a lot of institutional inertia in these or in these functional departments. Yeah. Of, you know, of, hey, I'm 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 the person that runs the events and we have to have this feature, this a function because our our donors demand it. And I'm the person that runs this. And so we have to have this. And so um, you know, 95% of an integrated, seamless, easier to use solution you and I would think would be good enough, right. but people tend to focus on the one or 2%. <laughs> <laughs> well, it did because their competition's using it, so to speak, or the, the other nonprofit across town is using some cool new technology. Is that yeah, the kind and, of story and, and, and they, you hear? It, and, I, and I understand it. I'm just, we're all the same way. It's human nature, but we sort of get hung up on the one or 2% and just kind of lose sight of the big picture sometimes. And, 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 you know, and, and and let's give them a lot of grace here. I mean, they don't have the time to sort of evaluate, is that one or 2% really giving me a return on my investment or not? Or is it just something instinctively I think I have to have? I mean, uh, you know, when in big organizations that are doing big technology projects with change management and consultants, you know, you spend a lot of time grinding on, am I getting an ROI on all this stuff? Well, you know, we don't really have the time or capacity or resources no. to do that nonprofit. So again, the conversation then is is you, you want to accommodate, I'm guessing, the client organization, but you also want to prevent them from just spreading themselves too thin. Or what advice would you offer, I guess, if I'm an overwhelmed executive director already and, and I'm like, all right, Ray, my board's telling me I need these three new technologies. Uh, I guess, how do you help them? Yeah, I think it's just really kind of encouraging them to kind of slow down and step back and 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 really try to see the big picture. I mean, so much of the you know, if I if I say selling or you know value value discovery, working with a client, it is sort of almost unwinding and starting all over again. Right. And and um, you know, as one of my one of my top salespeople told me, he was very very experienced guy from selling very very large enterprise deals for a big, big company. He said, it's almost like, you know, we have to teach them how to buy. And, wow. and, and so there, there's a, you know, I think some of that is just institutional where, you know, you had dominant companies like Blackbot and others who, you know, built, you know, technology over the years and did a good job with it and just sort of trained us to think, you know, very, very database centric, very, very organizational centric. And it's nobody's fault, but we've got it flip that on its head and say, no, 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 it should be donor centric, not organizational centric. Well, it leads to another question, Ray, that I've found in the coaching work we do through our mastermind for nonprofit leaders that 
increasingly, they're going to have to have some uh, more than basic understanding of technology and enterprise platforms and things, because the future of every sector is going that way. But would you agree? In other words, a lot of nonprofit leaders come up maybe through the program side or even the fundraising side. And now increasingly, they're going to have to manage higher and or, as you just said, buy technology. So I, I wonder, is that advice you would suggest? In other words, we need to learn more uh, about well, our there's technology. There's no question. There's yeah. no question. I see even since the time that I've been at iDonate, I've seen two fundamental shifts. Really? What is, what is the one you just described that you definitely have to have a technical acumen in today's world? I mean, there's no question. And the other shift is a lot of these decisions are have moved from IT and sort of database mindset into marketing. Interesting. So as a leader, I mean, you need to embrace, you think that mindset for sure, that this is not just some back office technology. It literally has to be integrated as a marketing platform for real. No, there's no there's no question. I mean, if you don't have a digital aptitude and think in terms of, you know, optimizing that experience online all the time, you're always going to be, you're always going to be challenged. Well, I guess that's one of the advantages of working with someone like you, right, Ray, and you're the salesperson you referenced that by working with a company like you and people like you, you're, you, do you help do training? I guess let me ask the oh, no question. basic question. No question. As a matter of fact, our, all of our coaches are, are certified in optimization techniques and, and yeah, well, absolutely. We come alongside and give customers research. I mean, a lot of our, a lot of our customers, customers also work with agencies and, and and have you know people like yourself that come alongside them and give them coaching and consultation right. but no we we have resources and our coaches are really really well trained and you know i mean just a little sales point here but if you actually did due diligence on our company and talk to our customers they'd tell you that's probably one of the strongest parts of our company yeah i'm not surprised and again i think that's I'm thinking as a nonprofit leader that I, I need to look at this not just as the purchase of a product, but this is an opportunity for me as a leader to get better educated, right? As you said, I need more technology acumen. And so a process like this is a chance to do just that. Yeah. I mean, from my background, you know, working in technology my whole life, I mean, the last thing I want to do, and just because of my value system and everything else, the last thing I want to do is peddle somebody tech. Right. I mean, that, 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 doesn't, solve, use, no, that right. doesn't solve the problem. Well, it leads, Ray, maybe a good segue to your second key point uh, that I'm guessing when you and your team arrives at many organizations, uh, you find that nonprofit leaders, they're not managing the technology they already have. So what are they missing? Or maybe you can give examples of what you mean by the existing technology isn't even kind of fully maximized. Well, not to get into too con much consultant speak here, but I think, there is, <laughs> I, think, I think there is a key lesson here. You know, when we were at EDS and we were working on you know, really, really large global projects for Fortune 50, Fortune 100 companies. You know, I know you know this, but there would always be some sort of change management um, part of the engagement right. because because it's not just about throwing in SAP and saying, okay, there's SAP now. Now your oil company is in good shape. It is well. I have to change. You know, maybe how I, I organize some of my resources. I have to change some of my workflow. I have to change some of my business processes. I have to look at this not just as putting in a piece of technology, but what is the change in my organization to really leverage and exploit the power of this technology? Well, we just we we don't 
do that well in the nonprofit world. And, there, and it's nobody's fault. And there's not a lot of reason. It's nobody's fault. But there has to be some aspect of that um, done in the nonprofit world. Or that's kind of point one. Point two is, you know, you need more executive leadership sort of driving the institutionalization of this tech once the purchase has been made to be sure people are using it like they're supposed to be using it. And, you know, the results you see are obvious. I mean, when you go in there, you'll see somebody spend a lot of money on a piece of, on a, on a CRM, for example, maybe even spend a lot of money customizing it because I, I need this report. I need this report. And by the way, Patton, in our world, in my old days, we would say, well, why do you need that report? Yeah, right. You know, are you sure that, is that a profitable thing for us to stop and do that or not? But we just sort of say, no, I've always had these reports. So let's replicate everything I've always had. <laughs> and, and then what ends up happening is you look at the CRM system that they spent all this money on that has potential to really give them a great picture of the relationship with the customer. It's why it's called CRM, Customer yes. Relationship Management. And what ends up happening, Patton, they're, they're using it as a contact management system. You know, they could have bought ACT for a hundred bucks and done the same thing. So, so um, and you see that across the board, you know, marketing automation, which as you know, you can create donor journeys and drips and do really sophisticated things. Well, that ends up just being an email engine. And, and so we see that a lot and it's not a surprise because they're just not sort of the resources or the, you know, the historical philosophy to kind of focus on the, the implementation around the impact of the technology. It's really more just let's buy it, slam it, put it in and I'll, and my life's going to be better. Yeah. Guilty as charged. And Ray, I told you before I led advancement teams at two universities and and in retrospect, never felt like I fully embraced, you know, the the blackballed or the razor's edge products we use. And I'm guessing I'm not the only one, perhaps guilty of that lack of full utilization. And so when when you see that again, it sounds like you come in and you're going to ask those fundamental questions of like what what are you doing now and why? And then perhaps you're going to help me unpack the greater potential that my existing technology has. We do. And in some, in, you know, just being very transparent, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes people right. say, you know, I, I don't care. I've, I've always had this donor report. I need this donor report or my workflow has always been this way. And, and one of the things that I think we've done really well and it's really hard is, and I don't want to get into the to the geek stuff here, but we've, <laughs> we, we've really built, you know, our engineers and our team is brilliant. They've built an extensibility layer in our software stack that basically gives the, the client tons of freedom to pull out data and do things with it however they want to do it. Right. So without getting into all the tech, we've made, you know, the hooks and 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 the, the API and just the uh, all the triggers and things like that in our code so that people can reach in and grab and do whatever they want. So we've kind of said, you know what, if we're not going to win the battle with you on that conversation, then here it is. You can kind of go do whatever you want with it. Yeah, and that makes sense because you're providing a flexibility there, even if it's not ideal from your vantage point. But it it strikes me, and perhaps again the mistake I was making is that the technology was isolated maybe to the just the advancement services team or even a person. And it sounds like you're advocating that we need to bring technology to the senior leadership table. Well you're you're, you're making right? it, you're making a super strong and important point. And this is 
again, I, I, I sound like I'm selling and I'm not, but I, I want to make the point in, in a, in a non-sales way. But this is why we took the approach with our technology that we did. If you looked at our technology, it would blow you away what the user could do with it without ever, as I say, without ever going downstairs and talking to anybody in IT. And that was the philosophy is, right. is right. that we like when Salesforce came out in the early days, I remember as a, as a young lad, uh, <laughs> I said, uh, they said, just give us your credit card and you can sign on and use it. We didn't have to go ask our CIO or anybody in IT if you could implement this because, you know, that was one cloud-based. It was simple. Just give us your credit card. Yeah, right. The same, the same thing here, which is if you're a marketing person or, or, or development person, you can take our technology and you can learn it very, very quickly within a matter of minutes and you can change gift arrays, optimize your page, do all of these things without ever... Change, by the way, build a giving form. Uh, you know, we, we have customers, sometimes they say, well, I got to stop and go ask my IT department to go rebuild a giving form. That's right. That's or, right. Or ask BlackBot to do it. And so, you know, we really designed this with the user in mind, which, by the way, is the expectation of the for-profit world, which it's another subject, but we're seeing more and more for-profit people come, come into nonprofit. And they expect these kind of tools because they have them on the for-profit side. Yeah, you're exactly right. And well, again, I'm glad you and I are both encouraging this conversation to move outside of just the the, the IT office, so to speak, um, because it really is, you know, organization wide, right? And that's I know among the key points you're making. And of course, I, I want to move to your third point because I think it's fascinating, and I'm nodding in agreement that when you arrive to many organizations. Um, you're seeing technology within the same organization, but used vastly differently. I'm guessing from the, you know, the fundraising people and then the special event people and the finance people. I mean, is that among the challenges you see that they all are using their own stuff and maybe not uh, talking to each other? There's no question. There's two parts of this and you you would be much more of an expert than I on the second part, but there is, there. yes, we have different tech solutions for different departments, whether they're you know, in the development area, whether in the marketing area, the fundraising area, or even the program area, people are deploying their own tools to get the job done. And so that's that's kind of one challenge. The second challenge of that is, is this whole idea that we're organized around these functional departments and silos, instead of maybe thinking about how to organize around sort of the donor's life cycle. And so, so we all have one view of the donor. In other words, if you think about it from the donor's perspective, not a functional perspective, the donor starts with discovery. Right. How do I discover your organization? Is it through search? Is it through a referral? Is it through a friend? How did I discover your organization? And you know, was it is it easy to do? Can I just uh, you know, are you SEO optimized or whatever it is? Are you on social media where forty two percent of the people now get inspired by to give? Second part is that is the consideration. You know, are you thinking about the value proposition? Is it compelling? Will it lead me to click on that page and convert? The third is, of course, the giving, the transactional side. You know, am I, do I have the right payment types and the right form and is it optimized? And of course, the fourth is the advocacy to create sustainability and repeat givers. And if we think about that, we might think about re, maybe even organizing ourselves a little differently so that the major giver is not touched by this person and the mid-level person is not touched by this person and, and the small person is not touched by this person and the program person doesn't have this role. And all of a sudden, you know, 
the donor's not a donor anymore. I mean, they're, 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 we, we've created all these identities of a donor when a donor is a donor. It's such a good point. Yeah, but you're right. Each of these silos, perhaps, though, look at it differently, and we're not around the table talking about it, that a donor that comes to our special event then might get a very different experience than a donor who comes to our website, right? Or That's a donor right. that is met by the individual staff member who is the development officer and all that. So again, Ray, you 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 arrive and you see these technologies. It, it The service you provide is both the tech, or it sounds like it's also both the philosophy of, hey, step back and look at the donor holistically. Well, think of, yeah, think about, I mean, think about the greatest in the world and just sort of keeping the offline and online stuff in sync, you know, like somebody like Apple, if I go to their website as an example, and I'm just somebody who's looking for a cable, uh, I've had the same experience as the guy who's looking to spend, you know, $15,000 on a pro computer. Yep. So um, yep. there, there, there is no difference. I mean, there is, uh, there's an expectation of, you know, how we sort of engage people no matter where they are in the for-profit world, but we, you know, we have this sort of pyramid of thinking that, well, there's small donors, there's mid-sized donors, and there's large donors, and and it, it leads to suboptimal ways of of not only organizing, but thinking about tech. Well, it just seems like a great opportunity for a strategy session, right? If yeah, not a absolutely. full-scale retreat. And I wonder, is that kind of the thing you would encourage, that we ought to step back and not get kind of stuck in our current technology platform, but let's talk about every way the donor might engage with us. And then maybe that creates a better mindset or have you found other ways to kind of encourage this conversation? No, I think, I think it should be. I think it's somebody, it's something, you know, somebody like yourself would be great at doing. And I would encourage people to talk to you about that. I mean, it's the old classic, you know, as is to be conversation, which is, you know, here, here it is as is today. And here's the donor's life cycle. Yep. Uh, is is there a more optimal way to sort of organize ourselves, not only from tech, but process, organization, workflows, uh, you know, reporting, communications, all those things to be really more donor centric? Um, so uh, it would be something great for somebody like you to lead and even have build a little bit of a practice around. Well, it, it's a conversation that needs to happen. And again, we have it sometimes. But I'm glad you're reminding all of our listeners, are they having the conversation at their organization, at a staff and board level, really organization wide? And I want to remind our listeners of these three headlines as they ponder maybe their next staff meeting. Number one, uh, Ray's advice, beware of the shiny objects. Let's make sure we're maximizing what we already have. In fact, number two is just that. How do we manage and maximize the technology we already have before we go searching for something else? And then bringing a more holistic view of the donor perspective from every part of our organization, you know, whether it's fundraising, marketing, finance, special events, uh, fantastic, and I think thought-provoking topics, Ray. In fact, you got a bonus, and I want to tee up your fourth bonus topic because you made a really compelling kind of statement to me uh, in a previous conversation about mid-level donors and the enormous potential or perhaps the enormous loss many organizations are having because they're not paying attention. But explain what you mean by this mid-level donor dilemma. Well, if you think about the classic donor pyramid, which a lot of folks talk about, you know, you have the small donors um, at the bottom where you you may have a lot of those and you have the mid-level. And then, of course, you have a few major donors at the top of the pyramid. And and I'm, I'm generalizing here, Patton, but the small donors basically 
you know, they give on average of 162 bucks online or whatever it is they give, you know, they get a thank you confirmation page and a receipt. And you know, that's pretty much our level of engagement or, or the way we sort of close the loop there. You know, the high level donors or the major donors, well, you know, they're the ones you, you know, you, you send the invitation and pay their way to the event or you take them to a dinner or you, or you, um, you know, you, you give them very, very high touch. Right. And, and then, of course, the middle ones are the challenge because, you know, you, you figuring out how to efficiently serve them is very, very complex. And if you're not back to tech, if you, the only way you're going to be able to engage and nurture those at scale is to really embrace some form of marketing automation, whether it's through email or social or whether it's through even I've seen organizations use a very, very efficient, low cost call center to continue to nurture them, but they tend to get lost. Now, right. here's here's where I think this gets really complicated is I think that pyramid's going to almost flip upside down and be different as more and more donations move online. So I have we don't have time for it, but I have this whole talk that shows uh, online giving has mirrored e-commerce give as a percent of retail. Yeah, and if that continue if that continues to happen over the next three or four years, online giving is going to be 20, 25% or more of your overall giving. Well, think what happens when more of your dollars move online. You don't have enough development directors to nurture those dollars. Right. right. So, you know, then when you and by the way, we're starting to give through our platform, we're getting many six-figure and high five-figure gifts online. So how how are you going to do that? You can't afford to hire development directors. And so you have to get good at nurturing and engaging these mid-level donors because they become large donors and they become the lifeblood of your organization. And many times they're multi-year donors. And, and you know, fortunately and unfortunately, tech has got to play a big role in doing that. Yeah, I, such a good point. And you're right. If we are used historically to kind of high-touch steward, donor stewardship, and your point is that a lot of these even larger donors are going to come in through our technology platforms. If we don't treat them well, we're going to lose them. And That's right. So that I could see an old school fundraiser like myself saying, well, Ray, I would just kind of meet with that person in person or I would provide them some level of stewardship. And you're saying, hey, Patton, you may never get to see them. And so yeah. your technology is going to be thanking them or cultivating for more. Yeah. And there's tech out there that does this really well. There's tech out there that does this in a personalized way, in a warm way. And, you know, tech, it, but again, you have to stop and do the hard detail grind work to actually deploy that and make that happen. Yeah, exactly right. And if we're thinking we can just kind of do it as second thought, like we have maybe done in the past, because because technology, as you point out, historically wasn't maybe the biggest channel of revenue we were worried about. And so we That's just right. kind of let it be the token, you know, email printout or, you know, email some sort of acknowledgement, right? Yeah. And I, and I, I, my thesis is, and again, conversation for another day, I think it's going to go much faster than e-commerce. I, I think COVID was a catalyst. Yep. You know, we all saw people go online that had never, matter of fact, Wyland did a study and said that 21 people that had never given before gave. Wow. Uh, and there's other factors like demographics. You know, what's going to happen, Patton, which I think is going to happen when online becomes 30, 40, 50, 60% of that $470 billion. Boy, if you're not good at this and you're not thinking about it now, uh, what, what's going to happen? I mean, you're, you're missing out. You're right. You're going to get yeah. lost. And I'm, yeah. Or, or, or your donors are going to get nurtured by somebody else. Yeah, exactly. 
And I'm just thinking again, if my my strategy has been to funnel donors to my big event or events, and, and if you're right, the the kind of the trends are moving toward I'm, I'm not going to come to your event. I'm going to give because I like to give in my other mechanisms through digital means. Then I'm well, going to be well, in trouble. You, yeah, you're going to say, "Well, I don't feel like these folks even know who I am, or they right. probably don't care, right? Uh, you know, or they're making it hard for me to give, and they're creating friction." And and you know, there's this other organization that seems like they do the same thing as these guys, and man, they just make it easier, and they actually seems like they know who I am. I mean, that's just human nature, and and you know, whether we like to talk about it in those commercial terms or not, it doesn't matter because going back to my opening point, your donor is an empowered consumer and they've been conditioned that way, whether you like it or not. Uh, point well made and among many great points. And I'm excited about this episode, Ray, getting the wheels turning in our listeners' uh, minds around what they're doing now, maybe what they should do. I, again, thank you for all of this wisdom. Is there anything else? Again, if, if you're pondering that nonprofit leader right now that's listening, anything else you would encourage them to do? No, other than other than I think there's a good practice opportunity for you to go start to help these nonprofits and then we'll come alongside you. <laughs> <laughs> Partnerships may emerge right here in the podcast. It, yeah. But uh, I love, you know, Ray, what you said about, I think every nonprofit leader needs to put on their to-do list is think about their technology acumen and yeah. what are they doing to learn more because it's happening fast. And if they don't, um, do something, they are going to get left behind. No question. Well, I, I really enjoyed our conversation and really appreciate you having me on. Well, it's just fantastic. In fact, as you know, one other parting gift I'll ask Ray uh, is a book recommendation. Any books that have been meaningful to you that you'd be willing to recommend to our listeners? Well, you know, this is an old book, but I always kind of go back to it. It's, you know, Gary Hamill is a great uh, management strategist. And, you know, you I, you probably heard of the book Blue Ocean, but I always go back to it because it's such a simple and powerful proposition is that, you know, you can, you know, you can keep fighting in, in the, in the ocean you're in and it just, you know, cutting yourself up with your competition and it becomes red with blood Yes. or, or you can redefine the rules and in a space that you can win in and go, you know, go to a blue ocean. And um, I just kind of keep coming back to that because it's so true. I just really like that that sort of provocative idea of create your own rules and you'll win the game every time. Could not agree more. Classic on the bookshelf behind me. And so I'm <laughs> delighted to lift that up because again, the, the nonprofit leaders that are willing to be strategic and think creatively as you suggest, and as Blue Ocean Strategy suggests, uh, are the ones that are going to really thrive going forward. So yeah. Ray, this is fantastic. Thank you for this conversation. Again, where can people go to find out more about you and the great work you're doing? Well, the couple of places, idonate.com, obviously, I-D-O-N-A-T-E, just like it sounds, .com. And then if you go into idonate.com, in the learn section, there's a section called Amplify. Um, and that's a blog section I have where I'm writing. And, and a lot of this content is there in that section. So both places would be great. Uh, we're going to link to both of them in our show notes. And I'm going to encourage our listeners to check out all of the resources Ray and his team are providing. And Ray, Thank you again for joining me on the path. Thank you. Well, I know you enjoyed this conversation with Ray as much as I did and hopefully came away with some practical ideas to sharpen your technology and digital marketing and fundraising efforts. Don't forget about the show notes. They are available on our website, patentmcdowell.com. 
You can find out more about Ray, more about iDonate. Remember, that's the letter iDonate.com and how they can help you and your nonprofit focus on more effective digital marketing and fundraising. As always, thanks for sharing this episode with someone else on the path. And if you haven't already, you can subscribe. Just go to the podcast page at patmcdowell.com and you will see the follow button and that will link you to all of the primary podcast platforms. Don't miss out on any of our weekly episodes. They come out every Thursday. And if you like this one, click on the episodes button at the top of that same page and you can scroll through every one of the now 180 episodes in our library as well as search by topic or guest name. Thanks again for all you're doing in the nonprofit sector, especially right now, and keep up the good work for causes that are most meaningful to you. I'll keep bringing you content that can help you do it even better. Have a great week. I'll see you next time on The Path.